continue to worship God in prayer? Come have your way among us. We welcome you here, Lord Jesus. We have come to meet with the living God this morning. We thank you for the gift of your presence and for the gift of forgiveness and grace through Jesus. And we thank you for the gift of your word, which reminds us that we are called not only to be forgiven and be set free, but to be your people and to be on mission together for your kingdom. God, would you speak to us this morning through your word and help us to see again a clear picture of what you are calling us to be and to become, how you want to bless us so that we can be a blessing to those around us. And we will thank you and praise you through Jesus Christ, our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen. Good morning. Add my welcome to you. My name is Kurt. I'm one of the pastors here. And if you are a first-time visitor with us this morning, a special welcome to you. This is a big celebration day for us. You may have come with a family member who's going to be baptized or a friend. You may have been come just to check us out. But we hope that you feel comfortable and excited about what you see going on in our faith community here. And we hope that you stay through our celebration time. We're going to be going out on the lawn to continue our worship. And we're going to have baptisms this morning. And then we're going to move in and feel everybody some brunch as we go into the fellowship hall and talk a little bit more about some of the God stories that are going on in our midst. And we would just hope that you would feel uh, comfortable to stay and party with us this morning because we're celebrating our mid-year celebration as Faith Covenant Church. We have been uh, pursuing lots of different ideas in this uh, springtime where God is blessing us and calling us to go out and be a blessing. Uh, But today we also are are talking about how at our mid-year celebration, we're going to be sharing some of the council, our leadership team's proposal to to kind of reorganize some of the structures of our church and uh, to present a, a brief overview of our strategic planning process that we're right in the middle of doing right now. And we've been talking as a church about what are the vital signs of a healthy and missional church. And we put up those vital signs out in our lobby and in our hallway walls. And and one of those is marker number 10 that's called fruitful organizational structures. That's a little bit of a mouthful, fruitful organizational structures. But if you think about the wording of it, you could say, you know, what is the fruit of our labors? What is the fruit that we are producing as a faith community? What are the the results that we would expect to see as Christ followers? What are the outcomes that we're trying to achieve? How well are we doing at pursuing the mission of Jesus Christ in our world? We believe that fruitful organizational structures are a part of the support system that allows us to do that and to do that well. Now, when we begin to speak about identifying outcomes and and talking about strategic planning, uh, we we begin to think and act strategically. We're organizing ourselves for mission. But I know that that language of strategic planning and organizational structures makes some believers a little uncomfortable because it sounds a little businessy. It sounds a little much like the secular world. And and, and are we really pursuing God's mission if we're pursuing some kind of man-made organizational structure? Uh, Over the years, I've also heard people come at it from the other side. I've had a lot of people come up to me when we're planning for mission and vision and say, well, you know, Kurt, I I really think the church is really just like a business, right? And, And I always push back and say, no, no, the church is not a business. We can't think of the church as a business because the bottom line for business is what? 
profit, right? Money. Where the bottom line for the church isn't about making money. It's about saving people's lives in Jesus Christ. About seeing people's lives transformed through the presence and the power of the Spirit. It's about being on mission with Jesus and seeing the kingdom of God come to fruition or miss. But what I do say is, like a business, I believe that the church is a strategic organization, right? The church has a plan to accomplish a mission that it has to fulfill. And in that sense, you have to have some kind of strategic plan to ask ourselves whether we're fulfilling this mission that God has given us. If you think about the word strategy itself, it simply is a plan of action designed to achieve a major or overall aim. A strategy is just a plan of action to achieve a goal, to achieve a mission, to have a plan for how we're going to pursue what we believe God has given us to pursue. Now, we also know Proverbs 19.21 says, Many are the plans of a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. And that's the, the other key difference between the church and a business. God's purpose is the unique element of the strategic planning for the church that sets it apart as being a vastly different process than a secular strategic planning process. At Faith Covenant Church, we've been seeing setting our hearts and minds on God and his word as the beginning stages of understanding what is God's plan for us and how can we be pursuing God's plan in, pro- in partnership with his spirit. Without question, it's God's plan that we would want, right? Not our own plan, because without God, we, we wouldn't be accomplishing anything. And we believe at Faith Covenant Church that God's plan is revealed in his word, it's discerned in community, and it's pursued only in partnership with the power and presence of his Holy Spirit. We realize Jesus had a strategy for his church, right? He began by recruiting his his leadership team. He developed them in practical training, experiential life learning lessons. And then he sent them out to the ends of the earth. In Acts 1.8, right? Jesus gave them their commission. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You see, there's there's a strategic plan that God had that he was revealing through Jesus and putting into motion when he called his disciples to to be those who carried his good news message into all the earth. We also see in the Bible that we, it talks a lot about the spiritual life, like being wise farmers who learn that it takes intentionality and hard work to produce a harvest, right? To produce a crop. Our mission and our goal, like that of a farmer, is to be fruitful in our mission and in our ministries. James 3.8 says that peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness, What kind of harvest are we producing as a church? What kind of fruit do we want to be found faithful for in our lives? I would suggest to you just a a short list of some pretty big ones, but we want to see new people come to faith in Jesus, right? We want people to experience the life and the freedom that we have found. We want to see people's lives and marriages and families being renewed and restored, reconciled and redeemed. We want to see people being truly discipled in their faith and discovering the uniquely designed call that God has on their life and how they're a part of this mission and ministry that we've been given through God. And we want to see communities being engaged and transformed around us through the presence and power of God's people at work in and through those relationships that he would call us to invest in. Many of these things are already happening in our midst, right? In fact, that's some of the things we're going to be celebrating today. That's why today should be such an exciting party for us because God is on the move. God is working here at Faith Covenant Church, and we're seeing many of these things happening. 
Yet over time, if we're honest with ourselves, it becomes very easy to lose sight of our mission, right? It can be very easy for us to fall into patterns of familiarity and comfort and even stability. But we want to be making sure as a faith community that we're putting our money where our mouth is. That's why strategic planning and organizational structures are important because we have committed as a faith community to be on mission with Jesus. We have an overall aim and we need to follow a plan to ensure that we get there. You know, Jesus told a story about two different servants and I think it it has some relevancy for for our current uh, planning process and where we're at as a church. In Matthew 24... Verses 44 and following, he says, So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Who then is the faithful and wise servant, whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose that servant is wicked and says to himself, my master is staying away a long time. And then he begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on the day, on a day when he does not expect him at an hour he is not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him with a place, a place with the hypocrites where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Well, that sounds a little gory, but we'll unpack that here in a minute. <laughs> What does it mean for Jesus, as we hear this story, to be found faithful when the master returns? I'd like to suggest this morning that Jesus' focus here, by identifying two different kinds of servants, is that his focus is on faithfully fulfilling the responsibilities that he's given us as his followers. You see, the steward was the the chief servant of the household. He was the head over the master's affairs and the entire staff and was expected to care for the master's business and personal affairs when the master was gone. Now, the test of responsibility, if you think about it, doesn't occur at the calling and and, and giving the job description of the steward, right? Where does the test really occur? After the master leaves and after the master's been gone for a while, then the test comes and says, how faithfully is the the steward going to fulfill the responsibilities they've been given in the absence of the master? When the master is absent, will he faithfully carry out his tasks. If he has done so, when the master returns, Jesus said, he will be honored by given, be given more responsibility. His job description will grow. He will take on more management of God's or of the master's household. The unfaithful steward begins to struggle when he notices the master's long absence, right? He begins to allow uh, that opportunity to begin to abuse his authority by treating his other servants poorly, to uh, consort with other bad influences, which scholars suggest these are all an indication that here, if he's a disciple of Jesus, he's, he's turning away from the faith. He's, he's giving his heart to other things than the master. When the master does return, the servant is caught unaware, and as a result, he's cut in pieces. <laughs> now, scholars suggest that to understand this reference that Jesus is making, we have to understand Old Testament covenant making. And you can go back to Jeremiah thirty four eighteen, where it talks about how when, when you make a covenant, you, you take an animal and you cut the animal in two. And you know, they had this kind of sacrificial system where they did this with animals a lot. We don't really do that anymore. But they would cut the animal in two and they would put two halves on either side. And the covenant partners would walk through the, the, the severed animal together, indicating that we are making this 
this promise, this covenant to one another. And should either of us break this covenant, let us be like this animal that has been cut in pieces and separated. And so you see, Jesus is making a a reference to what Israelites would have very quickly understood uh, to to be a covenant breaking, uh, a breaking of a covenant promise. And and so Jesus is saying when the master returns and and sees his unfaithful servant not fulfilling his responsibilities, it will be like breaking the covenant promise that they had, breaking the trust that they had. And that's why he labels them hypocrites then too. It was one of Jesus' favorite phrases for talking about people who professed to be his followers and and, and wanted to make an external show of righteousness, but their hearts weren't really with him. The wicked servant in this is thus someone who is falsely professing to be a disciple of Jesus, but isn't following through on the lifestyle that they've committed to. Some quick things of what this parable is not, just to put our hearts at ease. The parable is not talking about rewards or punishments for believers. It's not how, how, how to earn brownie points with God versus you know, other people. Nor is it advocating cutting off relationships with believers when they, when they struggle or when they seem to be turning away from the faith. And it's not about earning one's salvation by somehow being watchful enough or prepared enough. It's not about losing our salvation. It's about whether or not our hearts really are with Jesus or not. See, Jesus is simply telling us that a person who's a true disciple will be actively doing the things that he's asked them to do. Now, just two quick key features of this story that I think have relevance for us as Faith Covenant Church today. Number one is this idea of suddenness, right? Jesus' return, the master's return, whenever it is, will be sudden and surprising. Therefore, we should have a sense of urgency about this mission and ministry that God has given us to do. Because whether Jesus returns today or not, we also know that none of us know if this is going to be our last day on earth as well. We have to be using the gifts that God has given us as wise stewards in the time that we have. And Jesus wants us to understand that there's a sense of urgency to the Christian life because God wants us to be part of his mission and none of us knows how much time we have. It's too easy to assume that the master is delayed in returning and therefore we don't need to keep pursuing this mission so vigorously or so intentionally and we can kind of again fall into a rut of familiarity and comfort. But we have to have the sense that of, of urgency to what God is calling us to do. The second piece that I, I think relates to us is this idea of preparedness. We have to be prepared for the Lord's return regardless of whatever our current circumstances are. Discipleship entails both immediate preparedness for in the moment, but also a long-term plan to be prepared in case the master's delay continues for a longer period than we would expect. A lot of people I talk to think that Jesus is coming soon, and that's possible. But uh, people through every age have said today, this is the age when Jesus is coming, and he still hasn't returned. So how do we know? The Bible says only God knows when Jesus will return. So if it is a longer absence, what are we going to plan to do in the meantime so that we're staying on mission with Jesus? You see, the calling for the church is to be urgently prepared for a sudden and unexpected return of the Lord, but also to make plans for an extended absence so that we're profitably using the gifts that God has given us for his purposes. The parable of the two servants demonstrates that a person or a church shows their preparedness for the kingdom life by actively and intentionally pursuing Christ's priorities in the world. Jesus' discipleship community, the church, you and me, is the primary instrument by which the reality of the gospel of the kingdom of God is to be made known in a watching world. 
Therefore, it's our responsibility to make known the gospel by all means necessary as stewards of God's world and God's resources. Therefore, strategic planning, fruitful organizational structures are a part of how we make a commitment as a discipleship community to pursuing a harvest of righteousness in our lives, to be found faithful upon our master's return. I'd like to just wrap up today by identifying three aspects of this idea of fruitful organizational structures. By fruitful, we mean a Holy Spirit-led pursuit of the great commandment and the great commission. To love God and love neighbor and to go into all the world and make disciples. A Holy Spirit-led mission for the great commandment and the great commission. That's what it means for us as a church in big picture language to be fruitful. By organizational, we mean whole church participation. It includes everyone. It's not the mission of Kurt or the staff or or the few leaders on our leadership team council to, to be doing the mission. It takes everyone. We are the body of Christ, and every part has a piece to play. As Christ's body in the world, we organize ourselves for mission so everybody can be a part. I always say Christianity is a team sport where everybody plays. Right? Christianity is a team sport where everybody plays. And if you're sitting on the bench, you're not in the game. And finally, by structures, we talk about developing effective systems for ministry decision-making, planning, preparation, execution, and ongoing evaluation of how we are doing at achieving our mission. We simply want to ensure that we're following through on the mission we believe God has given us to fulfill. This is what we'll be talking more about today as we go through our celebration time. And it's my hope and it's my prayer that you and I will have the courage to understand that that whether our master Jesus is away for a long time or a little time, it shouldn't change the fact that we have a mission to fulfill. And we can be planning how to do that more effectively and we can be challenging one another how to get more in the game. And you're going to hear more about that today as we celebrate. But let me just pray for us now as we continue to worship and move on with the rest of our celebration today.